Let us pray together. Dear God, open your wells of grace and salvation. Pour the rich streams deep into our hearts. Cleanse and refine our thought and affection. Seal us and make us pure as thou art. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. One early morning this past May, it became clear that David Gaiman was not well and needed to go to the hospital. It was right around 4 a.m. But when his daughter, Linda, arrived to pick him up, instead of running to the car, he first wanted to make sure that she knew what passage was to be read at his funeral. The verses that were read today from Ephesians. And when I visited him later in the hospital, David told me why. This passage had guided him in his own journey to forgiveness of a deep hurt in his own life. And so at the funeral, we were so happy to be able to honor David and one of his last requests, and it's an honor to remember his beautiful memory here this morning. Now in that passage from Ephesians, it comes right at the middle of Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. And the whole first half of this letter tells the story about how we are all recipients recipients of God's grace. And then the next half of the letter goes on to call us all to become channels of the grace that we have received to others. As we heard so beautifully in verse 32, just as we have been lavishly forgiven by God, so we are to forgive other folks. In other words, we are not meant to be the final destination for God's grace. Dear friends, God's forgiveness is always available. God's grace is always flowing. The variable is not God, the variable is us. Will we allow God's grace to flow through us and out toward others or not? And in this light, I think this helps us to see forgiveness in a whole brand new light. What is forgiveness but our decision not to let anything, even some terrible wrong or hurt block the flow of God's grace through us to the world. And dear friends, the wonderful good news is that the more we share God's grace with others, 
the more we increase our own capacity to receive more of it ourselves. It comes from an endless source. Now, wait a minute. I mean, preacher, is there, is there anything easier to talk about? Anything easier to preach about? And anything harder to do than to forgive? Amen? I mean, we all know that we should forgive. I don't need to preach a sermon on this, right? We know it. We just have, have trouble doing it. In fact, each of us this morning is probably right at this very moment struggling to forgive someone. All 150 of us. Who might that be in your own life? I just hope it's not me. (laughs) But it will be one of these times. It will be. You know, over the years, I've heard friends in Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous talk about the importance of working the steps. You ever heard that? Work the steps. They're talking about the 12 steps. And in my own journey to forgive, I found this idea of working the steps to be very helpful. So I'd like to share with you four steps today that I have found especially helpful in my own journey when I'm trying to move toward forgiveness. And the first step is simply a naming step. We name the injury and begin to process and hurt, to process our anger and our hurt, not out on the street, but in a safe place, with someone we trust. And this step also includes stopping the the abuse if it's still happening. There's no way you can move to forgiveness without stopping the abuse first. Second is a discernment step. And the more I do this Christian walk, the more I see the vital importance of our doing discernment all the time. What's the right thing to do? We can forgive badly. How do we forgive wisely and well? Do we need to go talk to the person directly? Do we need to write a letter? Or do we need to create simply a ritual for letting go? Sometimes the person we need to forgive is no longer with us in this world. So especially if your wound is deep, it can be helpful to do this work with a trusted friend or counselor or spiritual director. The third step is the prayer step. And this one may be the hardest. 
as Jesus teaches, we can begin to pray for the one who has hurt us. And let me tell you, usually I'd rather volunteer for a root canal. Right? But when we pray in this way, God begins to soften our hearts. And God really does. Finally, there's a transformation step. Sometimes in a moment, more often over a long period of time, God awakens in our heart this desire to forgive. Suddenly it's there. It's a miracle. But we receive it with joy. And God gives us the grace to release this person's debt from us. Or we release their debt from us. And I hope this begins to reframe all that we do together in the church. Why do we show up here Sunday after Sunday for worship? Why do each of us have a special way of connecting with God in our daily lives? Because forgiveness is only possible when we are leading a grace-connected life. These practices connect us with God whose grace flows on tap. And I believe today our Gospel reading in that story, Jesus is telling us the tragic consequences of a life disconnected from God's grace. And it all begins with our dear brother Peter. Don't you love him? Asking Jesus, how many times do we need to forgive? Seven times. He thinks he's being big-hearted. And he is. It's much better than an eye for an eye, isn't it? But then Jesus says, no, forgive 77 times. And if we go to the Greek, it can also mean 70 times 7 times. That gets us up to 490. But if we are focused on the math, sorry Matt, we're missing the point. Because Jesus is calling us here to forgiveness, a forgiveness that goes beyond all calculation. A forgiveness beyond all calculation? Really? Let's connect the dots with something we learned a couple weeks ago. Do you remember we were looking at how Christ, when we are in Christ, we are all being transformed from our old false self into our new true self in Him? You remember that? Cynthia Bourgeau brilliantly notes that most of Jesus' teachings are pitched to our true self. 
Are you with me? If we're listening in our old self, Jesus' teachings sound nuts, crazy, insane. Who could forgive even twice, much less 490 times? But to the person connected with grace who is in their true self in Christ, we realize that Jesus is showing us the way to life. Showing us the way to God. So you might think about that the next time you have a big beef with something that Jesus says. You might just ask yourself, at this moment, am I in my old false self or am I receiving this in my true self? Now, in response to his dear disciple Peter, Jesus now tells a parable about a servant who is mammothly in debt. And he uses humorous exaggeration to drive home a very serious point. And notice first the magnitude of the slave's debt to the king. He owes him a bazillion dollars. He really does. If you go to the local context, it's so huge that it's going to take him 150,000 years to work it off, and how many of us have uh, 150,000 years to work off anything? And so he's getting down on his knees like we saw him do here and beg to be able for the chance to pay it off is pretty ludicrous. Notice also what happens when the slave's debt is then lavishly forgiven. Nothing. No jubilation. No rapturous praise. No tears of joy. What this slave receives but never understands is the king's mercy. He is completely blind to the magnitude of his windfall. And because he is disconnected with his ruler's grace, He's unable to share it with anyone else. Notice one more thing. The minusculeness, if that's a word, of the debt that his friend owes him. A hundred denarii. Twenty-five cents gets at it pretty well. He's just been forgiven a mammoth debt equivalent to 60 million denarii and then throttles someone who owes him a hundred. And you know what Jesus is saying? That's how we look to God when we refuse to forgive others around us. And our story then ends with the king angrily turning over the servant for torture and imprisonment and Jesus says these words, So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you don't forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Is Jesus 
really linking God's forgiveness with ours? And why this same troubling correspondence, proportionality in the prayer that he teaches us to pray, forgive us our sins as, I always choke on that, as we forgive those who have sinned against us? I mean, isn't the gospel the good news about a God who actually loves us unconditionally? Whose steadfast love for us endures for all of eternity? And whose continued infusions of grace are actually what it make, po- make it possible for us to forgive ourselves? Yes. But I have to tell you that in my own life, I have experienced this connection. This connection between how much I extend God's grace to others and how much I'm able to receive it myself. Because when I'm busy licking my wounds and nursing some grudge, the doors of my heart slam shut. And God's grace is blocked from flowing through my life now. God's forgiveness is always available, but God's grace, but the variable is not God, it's us. And I find it so beautiful that at the end of his life, our dear brother David wanted us to hear one more time the call to forgive as we've so lavishly been forgiven. For us not just to be recipients, but also channels of God's grace to others. Because you see, the more grace that we share, the more grace that we need. And the more grace that we are given, the more we completely get caught up and swept up in God's great cosmic cycle of healing and mercy and redemption. That's our high calling. And the more we here at East Chestnut get caught up in this, the more we can become the church that God desires, a fellowship of forgiven forgivers. It's as if we all suddenly realize that our little tiny boat is floating on God's deep and vast ocean of grace. And from then on, it's time to stop dispensing forgiveness with an eyedropper and to get out a fire hose. Let us pray.
Dear God of grace and truth, if Your Holy Spirit has been prompting us today to forgive some deep hurt, but we're still not ready, then we commit ourselves to move toward forgiveness with some trusted brother or sister in this church. But if we are ready today, then we symbolically take that hurt, we place it in our open hands, and we release it to You. And dear God, please take it and put it somewhere where we can't get it back. We thank You, O God, for all the ways that You save us. How You save us from a life weighed down by 10,000 ancient and unforgiven wrongs. And how You save us for a life that is unburdened, unfettered, and free. We pray these things through Christ who showed us how to do this. Amen.